There you are. The priest sent me in to talk and didn't tell me where to go. He said there's some folks in there and they want to know about the 23rd Psalm. And he said, you as a shepherd, you ought to know about that 23rd Psalm. I looked at me? A shepherd? I know about sheep. What do I know about Scripture? I mean, you're the one who's supposed to teach Scripture. He said, no, no, get in. They're just down the hall and turn to the right. Well, I think he meant down the hall and turn to the left. But anyway, here I am. And as I understand it, you all are supposed to be interested in the 23rd Psalm. Now, don't get too upset about what I have in my hand here. We'll talk about those things a little bit later. Just don't get out of line. (laughs) Now, my fellow shepherd, David, he uh, wrote the 23rd Psalm before he was king, and it was out of his great experience of being uh, a shepherd in his youth, combined with the fact that while he was king, he was under some very antagonizing, despairing, disillusioning situations. Uh, One may have been the fact that Absalom, his young son, was rebelling at a particular time, and David was forced to flee Jerusalem. Now, can you imagine the chosen king of Israel forced to flee his hometown? A fugitive. What great humiliation David suffered. Now, David's times of... uh, anguish, or the the hard times that he had as a king, were few and far between. But when they were bad, ooh boy, they were bad. So it was out of one of these times that David looked back into his life as being a shepherd of sheep, and looked ahead to having God as his shepherd, that he wrote the 23rd Psalm, and to miss out on the great imagery that David uses as a shepherd is to miss out on the greatness of Jehovah as our faithful and trusted shepherd. What I'd like to do is walk us through the 23rd Psalm, and I realize that you are in the dark, so to speak. But I have my scroll here that I was given in Sunday school when I memorized the 23rd Psalm several years ago. So I'll open it up here, and I'll start out by reading the whole psalm, because I'd like us to get the big picture of what this psalm is about, the the tremendous amount of care required by a shepherd for his sheep, and the serenity that the sheep enjoy being under the shepherd's care. Let's see if we can pick that up through listening to the whole psalm, and then we'll look at it bit by bit. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He restores my soul. He guides me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of deep darkness, I fear no evil, for thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You have anointed my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and loving kindness will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house 
of the Lord forever. The same kind of comfort that David was talking about in this psalm, this feeling of serenity and peace, can be ours as well. Even though David was the king, he faced circumstances that were confusing and confounding and beyond his control. And in that sense, we share that feeling with David at times. But as we look into the the psalm, we will see how great Jehovah is as our shepherd. Jehovah is my shepherd. I can hardly imagine that thought. Matter of fact, what an audacious thought to say the very God of the universe is my shepherd. I don't know that I could defend that before anybody. How proud and haughty that would seem. The very God who created 250 billion times 250 billion stars larger than the sun. The very God who created the smallest molecules and put them in order. To say that God cares about me, he's taken some common clay and put it in touch with divine destiny. He has compassion for me. He has, a, he has made me the special object of his affection. I can hardly believe that. But the fact is true that God created me. God bought me with the cost of his own son. And he continually cares for me. What an audacious thought. But what a beautiful thought. Now on the flip side, if Jehovah is my shepherd... I must be his sheep. That is not a pleasant thought. You know what sheep are like? To make you feel good to be called a sheep? Sheep have mob instincts. Intense fear. Great timidity. Stubbornness. Stupidity and all perverse manner of habits. I guess I am more like a sheep than I thought. (laughs) But on the other hand, to be a sheep, devices that they make you use in the temple these days. going to come apart. Ah, yes, to be a sheep under the benevolent care of a good shepherd. Any sheep realizes that their lot in life is determined by the quality of their shepherd. For you see, on the one hand, you could have a shepherd who would ignore you, and your lot in life would be one of ill health, lack of food, continually feeling terrible. And yet if you have a shepherd who loves you, who knows you, whose desire is to care for you, you really do have it made. So therefore, for us to understand that Jehovah is our shepherd is the key for us feeling secure. And the key to being free from want. I shall not want. 
The idea of being free from the anxiety of wanting. Have you ever wanted that? Have you ever been frustrated that you're always wanting something? How could you be free? The shepherd's love is tremendous. In fact, it's unconditional from Jehovah. I can rest secure in that love. And I can also have the feeling of significance with him because my self-image is based upon the fact that he has equipped me for eternal destiny. He's prepared good works for me to walk in in my relationships with people. Sure, there will be times that I suffer lack of food, clothing, of shelter, some of those things. But if I'm confident in who God is and his character, the fact that he, like a shepherd, will watch out for me 24 hours a day, I trust him that whatever he has for me is out of his love and his care. You see, we're too earthly-minded. We're caught up in the temporal. None of us enjoys suffering physically, emotionally, spiritually, in any way. And yet, for God, I know that if he loves me, he will guide me, leading me to do whatever it is he wants me to do, his desire. And in that, I can rest secure that even if he should lead me to physical death, that is not the end of his love. Perhaps it's a greater aspect of it that I shall see. Part of the key of not being in want are green pastures and still waters. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. Did you know something about my sheep? They won't lie down a lick if four things, conditions, haven't been met. They won't lie down if they're fearful about their enemies, if there is internal friction amongst the flock, if the pests, the insects, are of great annoyance to them, and if they're hungry or thirsty. You see, I as a shepherd have to meet all those requirements before a sheep will lie down and enjoy the green pastures that are there. Now, that's a lot of work for a shepherd. And yet, if he cares about his sheep, that's what he will do. Make those provisions. In the same way, Jesus as our shepherd, is the only one who can meet those four requirements in in my life and in your life. He's the only one that can free us from the fear of the unknown. He's the only one who can help us to get along with the other annoying sheep in the flock. He's the only one who can take away the pests, who can help us get through the bugged times in life. And he's the one who feeds us beyond just the physical needs of life. And then he leads me beside still waters. Sheep. Boy, what strange animals. They'll drink almost anything. 
if they're thirsty enough. As a matter of fact, they'll drink dirty, polluted water if a shepherd has not provided for them clean, healthy water. And the sheep don't even realize that in doing that, they're polluting their own bodies. That weeks, months later, parasites will enter into their bodies and cause them to be sick, perhaps leading to their death. But our shepherd isn't like that. The great shepherd Jehovah, he meets our thirst. Remember Jesus in the temple? He came and he said, All you who are thirsty, come to me and drink. And he talked to a Samaritan lady one time and said, If you drink from me, you will never thirst again. God has provided that water, the thirst that quenches the thirst of our souls in his word. But we have to drink it. We have to take it. And if we do, then we're less likely to drink polluted water. We're less likely for parasites to sneak into our lives and begin a destructive work. So green pastures and still waters, those are the things that lead to restoring a soul. And you say, for a sheep? What about a sheep and a restored soul? Let me tell you about sheep. Sometimes they end up upside down. Literally. We call this being a cast sheep. It often happens to ewes that are in lamb or to overweight sheep. They lie down, they roll a little bit, they lose their ballast, and all of a sudden they're upside down, flailing away, and they can't get right side up. It's like a ladybug. You turn a ladybug upside down, their legs are going like crazy, and they can't get back on their feet. And when this happens, the sheep panic. And also gases begin to build up inside, which can cause them to uh, cut off the circulation. So they fear death from without because they can't move, they can't run away. A cougar, a coyote could come along and eat them, and they fear suffocating from within. And therefore, the good shepherd keeps a close eye on his sheep. He counts them to see if they're all there, and he knows that if one's missing, it could be in a cast position. So he runs to it. And when I find a sheep in a cast position, you have to bend down and easily take it up, roll it to its side, smoothing it out. And then you lift it up and rub the legs to restore the circulation. Tremendous care because the sheep is frantic but so grateful. You can see it in the sheep's eyes when you're there that really their soul has been restored. Now the soul for us, that's our spiritual life. And until we've asked Jesus into our heart, it's really void and empty. But I've found that even after I have a relationship with God, there are still times at which my soul is greatly troubled and tormented. And it's at these times that I turn to God in meditation 
reading his word and thinking about it and praying and drawing close to God. And as I do that, I find that he restores my soul, that he gives me the peace that I long for. He helps me to see that life, from my perspective, is not always right. And there is another perspective to life. And that's the perspective to be enjoyed. He guides me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Sheep have very destructive habits. They'll make a rut out of a trail. They'll make a desert out of a grazing land. They'll lead a blind stampede of fear. All because... They may not be properly led. They'll destroy a sheep farm if left to their own. Can you imagine that? You and I would never do such a thing. But, but sheep, they do. I wonder why God keeps calling us sheep. We're not like sheep at all. I don't think. But the sheep have a tremendous need for guidance. Almost no other animal requires as much direction as sheep. That's why we have a shepherd's crook, is to help give them direction. But you know what? Isaiah says that all we like sheep have gone astray. Each of us has turned to his own way. Solomon, when he wrote Proverbs, says, there is a way which seems right to a man but its way is, in the end is death. You see, we just don't know naturally where to go or what to do. We're a lot like those sheep. When we go our own way, we leave behind a path of brokenness. Broken homes, broken relationships, broken hearts. Great remorse and ruin are left in our wake. We need to be guided, led, directed just like the sheep. And God is so gracious to us. He loves us so much. He's given us His very Word to know how to live, the kind of life He wants us to live. All we have to do is read it, understand it, and we'll know the kind of righteousness that He desires for us. And yet at times we choose to ignore that just like the sheep choose to ignore my direction. But Jesus said, if the eye in you is is sound, you'll be full of light. But if it's not, you'll be full of darkness. And if the darkness in you is light, how great is that darkness? The point is, we won't know what to do at all. As a matter of fact, we won't live righteously. We'll live unrighteously if left to our own means. Destroying life more than helping life. Now, it's important to understand at this point that I think David makes a transition. Ah, before I move on, I forgot for his name's sake. How important... 
How important for us to let our light shine before men in such a way that they will see our good works and glorify our Father who is in heaven. See, that's why Jesus wants us to live righteously. That's why Jehovah wants us to live His way. Is because when we do, we reflect God's character. And to reflect God's character means that other people will be drawn to Him who don't know Him. They'll see the goodness of God, the compassion of God, the love of God, the ability of God to change lives, to make them whole. And we reflect that. And so as we live righteously, it's for Jehovah's sake, so that He may be glorified and others may be drawn into His sheepfold and become part of the flock. Now, as we move to the valley, I think it's helpful to know that there are the lowland grazing areas and the highland grazing areas. And in the summertime, the sheep are moved. We take them up to the higher meadows for grazing. And at this time, the way to the higher meadows is through the valley. And David says, Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I fear no evil. For thou art with me. It's actually the valley of deep darkness. Because it's in the valley where the richest food is, where the purest water is. But it's also in the valley where the dangers lurk, where the coyote, the cougar, the thief, where you get stuck with natural hazards, rainstorms, and floods. You see, up through the valley, the sheep have to go in a line, and the shepherd can easily lose them. They can easily go astray. And even though the shepherd knows this, I know this, the risks are worth it, because in the higher ground is where the sheep will feed and grow and nourish for the summer. And I'm convinced that there can be no maturity in my life and my relationship with God without walking through hard times without facing potential hazards. That's part of the Master's plan, is that you and I would walk through the valley of deep darkness. Not that we would desire hard times, not at all, but that we would know that they are going to come. And when they come, God is there to help us through them, just like the Good Shepherd. He doesn't desert us, but as we walk through those hard times, our character is enriched as we go up towards the higher meadow to feed. We grow in our relationship with God. And that comes through walking through the valley of deep darkness for you and I. It's never been fun for me. I've never enjoyed it. But yet, just as my sheep feel secure as I lead them in the valley, so I feel secure with Jehovah knowing that he's walking beside me. I need not fear any evil, because he's there with me. And part of the reason is because your rod and your staff comfort me. Now what is a rod and a staff? Part of the reason that I feel secure going into the valley is because of my rod and staff. And the sheep feel secure with me because of the rod and the staff. These are two essential items for the shepherd 
the rod. This rod, I think David learned how to use his rod well as a young man because he would be involved in contests where they would throw them for distance and accuracy. And that was the tool of defense, primarily. And secondarily, it was the tool of discipline for the sheep. But a shepherd who knew how to use his rod well could defend his sheep. And then there's the staff. Just as the rod would be the symbol of authority and power. Remember Moses' rod? That was a symbol of authority and power. So the staff, uniquely designed for the shepherd's own personal use. Notice it's curved and smoothed at the top. Designed for sheep and sheep only. The staff is the sign or symbol of compassion and concern of the shepherd. You see, with this staff, I can draw a baby lamb to its mother without touching it and help develop that relationship. With this staff, I can reach out and rescue a wayward sheep and pull it in for examination. With this staff, I can turn it and gently lead the sheep, just touching them on the side to lead them along the path. And sometimes I do that for an extended period of time to show my affection for the sheep, and they respond to that, not unlike walking hand in hand with a close friend. So the rod and the staff of the shepherd bring great comfort to my sheep. And Jehovah has his rod and his staff uniquely designed for him to use. There's his word, there's his spirit, and there are the circumstances that he uses in our lives. His word is to be a a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path that we might not sin against him. His spirit is to be the object that leads us rightly. For all those who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. And discipline. Ooh. I never did like discipline. But God does discipline us. The ones He loves, He disciplines because He loves us. If there was no love, there'd be no need for discipline. And just as I have to, at times, get the attention of a wayward sheep, God has to get my attention. And even though God leads me, guides me, loves me, directs me, disciplines me, He also defends me. You see, Satan is the great accuser. He desires to destroy my life. He desires to accuse me before God. And Jesus is my advocate before the Father, pleading my case. And so I know 
that my God has his own rod and his own staff to lead me, to defend me, to guide me, to love me, to discipline me. And it's only at those times that I run away from God that I feel fearful of his rod and his staff. But when I draw close to him, they comfort me. Oh, yes. You prepare a table for me in the presence of my enemies. You see, we're back up on the high country. And at times, I've had to go out and scout in the late spring. Where are the meadows? How can those meadows best be used? What wells, what cisterns need to be fixed? What items do I need to take up there so my sheep will have all that they need? You see, oftentimes in the high country, you're grazing out in an open area, not unlike a table. And it is in the presence of the enemies because the high country is the homeland for the predator of the sheep. And so I prepare an open spot where I can watch all of the sheep grazing and they feel secure in that environment. And the enemies that we face are on two fronts. In the physical realm, we have those who antagonize us, those who don't agree with us, those who hate God. And then we have the temptations as well that appeal to our fleshly nature. Then there are also the spiritual enemies. Satan himself prowls around like a lion, seeking to devour us. And I understand that without God preparing me, providing a place for me to feed with him, my lot in life would be pretty hopeless. I'd be overrun by the temptations, by the predators, by the spiritual forces. But my God can supply all my needs through Jesus Christ. I'm to be an heir of all things with Christ. What an inheritance. What richness. What a table God has spread out for us to enjoy. All the spiritual blessings in the heavenly places are to be ours when we walk with God. What a great, good shepherd. You anoint my head with oil. Summertime in the mountains is a time when the insects come out. Now, some of you may be familiar with that. You may have been in the mountains recently and felt the insects. One such insect for the sheep is called the nose fly. Why is it called the nose fly? Because its base of operation is the nose. It has a mission of seek out an annoyance of my sheep. My sheep hate the nose fly. Why do they hate the nose fly? I'll tell you why they hate the nose fly. 
The nose fly lays its eggs on the nose of my sheep. The eggs form into larvae and crawl into the nose, the nostril of my sheep, embedding in the membrane. Drive my sheep crazy! So strong is their desire for relief that a sheep may even kill itself trying to get relief. And if it doesn't, it may end up blind as a result of the nose fly. And then there's the scab. Sheep have this nasty habit of butting each other. And they develop scabs. And then they rub up against each other and the scab is an infectious disease. Now the way to deal with the nose fly and scab is through ointment on the head. A mixture of olive oil, sulfur, spices. Mix it all together. Then you apply it to the head of the sheep. And it brings them relief from the nose fly. It's amazing to watch how the sheep will rest quietly once they're anointed with this oil. That's a picture that David is drawing of the anointing that we need. We have all kinds of annoyances in life. Strained relationships with our spouses, with our kids with our friends, with our bosses. Frustration over what's going on in the world, the temptations that are abounding each day on the mass media of our lives. It encourages me that I need the daily dependence upon God, that His Holy Spirit is necessary for me to make it through moment by moment without being overcome by these annoyances. One annoyance I can handle. Two together drive me crazy. And therefore, just as my sheep need to repeatedly be given the ointment on their head for the covering, we need to walk in a daily dependence with God. My cup overflows. Here David is bringing to a close the idea of his psalm. He realizes his lot in life. He realizes how rich his life really is under Jehovah's care. If you look back, the first part of the psalm, when we said, Jehovah is my shepherd, I shall not want, everything after that talks about why we need not want because of the great care of the shepherd. All that he provides. His responsibility is great. My responsibility for my sheep are great. Yet I know God's love is greater than mine. And so David knows that his cup really is overflowing. That his lot in life of having Jehovah as the great shepherd for him is the best that that could be. The little details may be frustrating. As I said before, David had some hard times. David felt the lack. He was in want of things. But the big picture was that his cup was running over. Jehovah cared for him. Jehovah was leading him. Oh, Henrietta. Almost time to go. Surely goodness and loving kindness will pursue me all the days of my life. 
and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. David knew of God's gracious character. His goodness, his loving kindness would be with David all the time. And that would cause David to want to dwell in the house of the Lord forever. As he wrote this psalm and looked back on it, I think David felt nothing but security, nothing but love for Jehovah. Now for some of you, I think the point to remember this morning for this psalm is that it's a psalm in which we are shown how great God really is in his care for us. That just as a shepherd would lead his sheep with tremendous responsibility and skill and care, so God, Jehovah, desires to lead us, to care for us, to love us, to protect us. The very God of the universe! Can you imagine that? Now, some of you I know are in hard times, difficult circumstances. You're in the valley of deep darkness. Trouble at home, trouble at work, trouble with family, trouble within your soul. I don't know what your trouble is, but I know the great shepherd who can help you to walk through the valley of deep darkness and to have your soul restored. (gasps) Okay, Henrietta, I get the message. Well, I'm not sure why that priest sent me here, but I'm glad I found you. Shalom.